Hello and welcome to this episode of Diverse Web3 Builders. I am Brian Zorner, the president of Wii Studio, and today I am joined by Genevieve Thiers from Entertainment. Genevieve, thanks for joining today. Oh, thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you dialing in. This is our first uh, non-Atlanta founder on there, but certainly meets the definition of Diverse Web3 Builders, so we're excited to hear more of your story and share it with the audience today. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate being here. And yeah, there there aren't a lot of women in Web3. Um, I appreciate you uh, kind of shining light on on some of that um, because I think I think more of us are about to jump in, but they need to see somebody jump first. Absolutely. Well, that is the goal of this is to highlight amazing diverse builders building great things like you are in Web3. But before we dig into what you're building in entertainment, let's go back and uh, rewind the story a little bit. Give us a little bit of your background and kind of how you got into the startup world. Yeah, I, I'm still honestly surprised I'm in tech. <laughs> I'm, you know, the oldest of seven kids. I was actually trained in opera performance as I was growing up. And, you know, I was like an English. You got a few bars for us here? Uh, maybe. <laughs> no. Beautiful. <laughs> well, I, it's funny. I always thought I was going to like, I always thought I was going to sing at the Met. That was the thing. I was going to go all out right. and sing and I perform and I always in all the shows when I was younger. And so I remember distinctly when I got into tech, um, I was graduating, um, despite wanting to go to conservatory, my parents fought me like crazy and made me go to a real school. College. <laughs> and I babysat, right? That was like how I earned my way through school, right? It was expensive. Sure. I was one of seven kids. And I suddenly realized as I was graduating that opera was a obscenely hard to get into and that right. I really needed something else or I was going to be waiting tables the rest of my life. So <laughs> around that point, I'd been sitting for about 30, 40 families. I knew childcare and, um, you know, I saw this nine months pregnant mother climbing 200 steps, you know, posting flyers for a sitter. And I thought, what is going on? And then realized, well, she can either pay 2000 bucks to an any agency or flyer pregnant on foot. So that's where Sitter City came from. It seemed obvious to me at the time, you know, it was a master, it was um, like a match.com, monster.com and sort of nanny agency mashup. And so I, you know, built it with college friends and I was just dragging people onto the site. But it's funny, I don't think I ever really used the word entrepreneur until <laughs> 10 years into Sitter City. Like we were, you know, big at that point. I just didn't know that's what I was. So I, I think that's primarily what I am. <laughs> That's fantastic. And this got to be a pretty big business. There were, oh, what was the scale of this? How many people were using the platform? How many sitters? How big did it get? Sitter City was awesome. I think it was, it got so big because um, a lot of people were kind of ignoring the, the caregiving problem, particularly in-home care. We ended up raising 56 million. Um, wow. I think in the end with venture debt, it was a little over 70, if I'm right. We served over 10 million users in a couple of countries, not just the US. Um, we had thousands of companies using our um, corporate program as well. Um, literally thousands of them, all the kindred healthcare hospitals and Avon and MasterCard and um, the US Department of Defense, actually, Army, Navy, Air Force, <laughs> Marines was a client. Um, yeah, we we ran it. Um, I was CEO for the first 10 years. Um, but um, the final acquisition, I stepped up to the board level. The final acquisition was done by Elizabeth Hartz, who I consider like my CEO big sister. <laughs> she lives in New York. Terrific woman. But um, yeah, we sold it finally after 20 years of building to Bright Horizons, um, who was a partner for many, many years. It was one of those crazy stories where you're like, 
are we actually going to win here? Right. Cause winning is so hard and we actually did. We actually made it all the way through and sold. And it was, I feel so lucky, you know, who gets to say that, who gets to say with a whole arc, we did it. We've sold, we, <laughs> you know, we did it. It was great. That's fantastic. I mean, we always talk, you know, from my day job with beyond the game network, I deal with a lot of people that made it to, you know, the professional level of athletes and what you were doing in the opera world, pursuing something so difficult, like you said, that so few people make it, you know, I have this belief, we have this belief of beyond the game that if you put yourself into those type of endeavors and you have some success that the, the life lessons there carry over to entrepreneurship. Did you find some of the lessons of, of what you did coming up in the, in the singing, in the opera world translated, yeah. or, or at least gave you the confidence to be that entrepreneur to, to start something so difficult and see it all the way through to the end? I had to think about it as I was going, but yeah, Brian, you're right. I mean, I found my, you all have skills, right? As a CEO, everyone has a different skill. Mine is I am an evangelist CEO. I really, really enjoy inspiring people to try something new, you know? And so um, this translates very well into the opera skills because I did actually get a master's in opera and I have <laughs> actually managed, like I've done lead roles with Renee Fleming at Chicago Lyric Opera. I was Prescovia with her in The Merry Widow and I've been able to sing with Thomas Hampson and did Carnegie Hall. So I actually did get to sing. When you're on stage, particularly at like Chicago Lyric, which is I think 3,500 seats. You're in a 40 pound costume under really hot lights, right? This is what I do. The whole crowd that. out there, everybody waiting on you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're about to pass out. You're so scared. You know, like it's just absolutely insane. And I remember thinking this, oh, this is what it, it's the fact that I know as an opera singer, as a performer of any kind, I have six seconds to capture you and, and make you have confidence in me that the, uh, the next two, three hours are going to be great, right? Whatever the heck they have in them, they're going to be great. And so, you know, you have to drag along every skill you have. That was mine that I dragged along was this quick conversion, you know, on this evangelist side in front of people. And I use it in every sales meeting, every talk. And, and it's, you get what you get. I'm glad I got that one. Well, and when you get to work with people at such a high level, such great performers, um, you know, in any field, whether it's music or sports or entertainment of any kind. I mean, you're, you're competing, you're, you're showing up every day as your best self, you're putting the effort in, you're being coachable and looking for coaches. It's all the skills that every investor looks for in a great founder of a startup. So I think those things translate really well. Well, I, I'm just, I'm just glad I'm not singing on a street corner because it was really close. <laughs> <laughs> you might've had some fun with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My parents like honestly thought I was going to live in a box and marry like a tenor <laughs> and like disappear into Europe. And then my sister did all of that. My twin lives in Cape Town. Now she, you know, she did all that. And I ended up being like the rational one after spending <laughs> my whole child life, you know, like singing Phantom of the Opera on repeat, you know, they were like, what are we going to do with her? You know? And then, I don't know. I sort of pulled it together, I guess. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. So you have this exit with Sitter City. Mm. And at some point you get interested in Web3, crypto, NFTs. Tell me a little bit about your Web Pill moment. What got you into this space? How, how did you make the move from running an online babysitting platform to thinking about NFTs and crypto and Web3? 
Well, it, it was more actually the move from opera into Web3. I was actually just, I did not intend to go back into tech. I had a wonderful time, but it's a lot. <laughs> you know, it's a lot, right? So I was like, oh, okay, I could be a performer and creator. And I actually not only sang, you know, I had some twins, you know, 11 years ago, I went out, I sang, I, you know, I did the thing, got to perform at Goodman Theater. And I'm actually a playwright and I'm also a, a screenwriter. So I had been part of a team funding a movie by Bill William H. Macy. I got to hang out oh, with him. Cool. I got to, yeah, I had a show called Amazon Prime that I was a producer on and the tech trainer and it was helping women in politics. I, I had a lot going on on the storytelling side. And um, didn't even occur to me to build again until I started running into some walls. It was the mm -hmm. same as before with Sitter City. I would try to find a job or a mom would try to find a sitter and right. slam into the wall you went. This time around, I, I remember it was a little bit different. It was just that I had all these works, these wonderful works that I was doing or someone else was doing, like huge names, right? And they just kept slamming into walls. Like in particular, I had a show, a show I was working on that landed on Amazon Prime called Run the Series was like Queer Eye, but to help women win political races. And you can imagine this really... <laughs> We had 52,000 fans and, you know, we, we had so much going on and the pilot was beautiful and this woman wins her race and it's like, and um, we ended up in, in the offices of a very big network, I won't say the name of, and they were like, this would be great, but if it were strippers running for office. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> what? And I thought, these are the people making the decisions for what we watch. And then I thought, why are five people in the country making the decisions for what we watch? And at the same time, I bought a stoner cat, uh, just yeah. to dare. I bought a stoner cat NFT and I got in a wallet and I was checking it all out because I feel as if- All right, hang on. For people who don't know, tell, give the quick story of stoner cats. Well, um, you know, NFTs, first off, you know, Web3, I felt like as a technologist, I should know what's going on. What, what is blockchain? So I went out and I sort of, you know, did my own podcast and classes for other women teaching that. And then I got into NFTs and I was like, what are these, right? You know, <laughs> what are these files jammed in the ledgers, you know, yep. that, that we're supposed to buy? What is this? And um, I, I remember my first NFT was like a green square or a balloon on it or something. I was like, you know, yeah. I need to buy something. I need to know what this is, right? Yeah. <laughs> then I started realizing that most NFTs were kind of ridiculous. They were green squares being like bit pictures up of monkeys and other junk. Yep. <laughs> I, you know, I, kinda, I mean, I was really just like the apes were ugly. I was like, I don't want one, you know. But but I I began realizing that a couple of these these NFTs, these little pictures, JPEGs you were buying, had things that came with them. So I I stumbled on buying a stoner cat one night and uh turns out stoner cats is an animated series run by orchard farm productions and big head uh my lacunas is behind orchard farms and it's this hysterical animated series about a bunch of cats that keep smoking and get high and then they develop superpowers but what was crazy was that by buying this stoner cat for a little less than a thousand bucks suddenly i was in the writer's room in discord and suddenly i was i was voting on the arc of episodes with my lacunas like in the room and then <laughs> I was right. I was able to write like a line that I think it was Chris Rock or somebody said, you know, I, I, think, I don't know. You could submit something. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, like this is what this means. It's access. It's actually being able to do or change something in storytelling. And that's when I saw it. And I thought, wow, I think my next step here. And of course, it's not just me. It's, it's like hundreds of us. It's an army of creators. But I think our next step is to build something that allows the wall between fans and creators to be broken. That wall, it, it shouldn't be so high. It should be there. But it's, it's like so high. You just right. don't cross it right now. 
it can be lowered. It should be lowered because today's fans, for every hundred of them, 30 want to do more than watch the show. 10 of them want to literally be in the casting room, the writers are in the production, but they want to co-create directly with you and they'll pay for it. Thousands of dollars in some cases, they'll pay for it. So why wouldn't you monetize all the way down the chain? That's the whole theory behind entertainment. Love that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the future of, of content, not, you know, not just TV, uh, music and gaming and, you know, creating with your fans, with your community, bringing them in, making them a part of it and really giving them that ability to, to participate. And, and maybe down the road when the, the rules around securities become clearer, even allowing them to participate financially and, and be part of, you know, the same way you can sell production stake uh, to individuals, people can buy into a show or a movie uh, or a piece of music or whatever it may be. That's, that's coming down the line for sure. So, so, Tell us exactly what entertainment is and uh, and what y'all do there. Of course. Well, thank you for believing in it. First off, we all do, and there's thousands of us, I'd say, you know, you know, between the creators and everyone else. But it is kind of a movement, right? Um, entertainment is a collaborative storytelling platform, and what does that mean? It's a platform that allows our creators to sell tickets. Uh, not just to see their work or rent their work, but to be involved in the making of the work in the way that I was just mentioning. So um, for creators, when you come on, you have all sorts of options. You can list your content for payment or, you know, rental, but you can also sell tickets that, you know, either allow for an extra experience, like maybe get a collectible or something alongside the, alongside watching the show. But we also allow our creators to sell what's called participatory tickets. And speaking of the SEC, this is actually interesting because we've really worked hard with three legal teams on this. So our participatory tickets allow creators to um, essentially sell a ticket that lets a fan into the writer's room, the casting room, or the production room. And because we bifurcated the process, that fan can then opt in to a royalty pool that is set aside by the creator. Maybe it's 3% over three years for the production, you know, room. And uh, you can become a literal co-creator in some of your favorite series. You can actually be a royalty sharing co-creator. So we're, we're way more than what you would do on an Indiegogo or a Kickstarter. We go a lot further. And from the Zooming up for a moment, from the top down, I think the streaming model right now is is under is in distress. It's under duress because they've been outspending each other for five years, duking it out on content, particularly in the pandemic. When Netflix hit the stock hit last year, you could see it ripple across HBO and Hulu and everyone else. And what everyone's realized is that the days of cable you know, they were the, the heyday. The, the subscription model, you know, applied to, scream, to streaming is actually not that lucrative. But if you took the subscription model and you added on the ability to fully monetize, chans, uh, fully monetize fans through the entire chain of what they might want to do with you, including collaborate, that's a model that works. That's a model that has a lot of revenue in it and a lot of, a lot of flows that that revenue can take into the, into the back end. Yeah, and look, we've seen some really exciting projects that are going in this direction, not just Stoner Cats, but Mad Realities doing a, oh, a yeah. social dating show and The Infinite Machine taking a, the book about the founding of Ethereum and turning it into a movie and selling off 
production pieces. But the difference between them and your group is that you're more, even more decentralized, right? The, you're allowing lots of creators to come in. They act almost in as their own individual studios or shows. Like they kind of have to approve everything. You're, you're more of an open platform. Is that correct? Exactly. Open platform. We're a marketplace, essentially. We call it an IP marketplace. And mm -hmm. you can see everyone's still sussing out the terms for this. But um, the, the very brave creators that went first, and you mentioned a few, The Infinite Machine, there's also Kaya Dita and Project mm -hmm. Iceman and, and yeah. like the Red Ape family, all these wonderful groups that went first had to sell their NFTs in a vacuum. Um, you're right. They had to spin up a platform and decide how they were going to work with their fans on this and yeah. build the tech individually or find some way to do it, right? Well, it's very brave of them. And for that reason, on our About Us page on entertainment, we talk about them first and then what we're doing. But the point was that there was something so powerful there in the introduction of collaborative storytelling that we thought, okay, we're going to make the bridge that just brings this out to the entire world, whether they're in Web 3 or Web 2 doesn't matter. We're going to make the bridge, explain what this is, and simply build. Uh, I wouldn't say we're 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 a platform, but we're also a platform with a distribution network. Build that, you know, underneath everyone, so that they can do it without having to go through everything Stoner Cats did or Kaya right. did in the beginning, doing it alone. But when a fan comes in, they get exposure to all the projects on the entertainment platform, right? They get to see all the different great creators across whatever genres they choose to be building in. And that way you, you bring some real value to both the creators and the fans that way, right? Well, I keep urging everyone to think of us like an aggregator. So imagine Amazon meets Netflix, right? We have um, what we call channels. And uh, we've been coalescing partners all year right around these channels. So we've got festivals and studios and hubs like Macroverse. And um, all of these players are coming in to have a channel on entertainment so they can drop their content from their creators on. And what's really wonderful about Web3, and happy to talk about this, not everything we do is Web3. You can also so do lots of things in Stripe using entertainment, right? Just simple Stripe transactions. But when you want to do participatory tickets and really split out an options pool among 300 people and make it happen fast, wallets come in useful. Web3 mm -hmm. is very useful. And so, um, you know, you'll see in the fall, right now we're in beta. It's still quite a closed loop. Um, doors open to creators in about two months. In the fall, you'll see us beginning to snap on all these channels, which bring floods of creators in and all of those creators will stay in the channel they might choose to continue they might choose to go tvod they might choose to go full participatory ticket but the point is that there's never been a bridge there's mm -hmm. never been a bridge between like twitch tiktok over here youtube over here and then all the way over to the top five streamers netflix hbo hulu over there so there's this valley of death right where where all these creators are dying because they don't have funding and they're not lucky enough to end up in the right room with the right person on the right day you know that that's ridiculous right i mean the whole system needs to be flipped upside down and instead of this heavy top-down management free it you know let it be a ladder up so that's what we're doing so when these shows get created, where will people watch them? They can watch them on the entertainment streamer. Although what right. we're finding is that in addition to, you know, 
streaming non-exclusively on entertainmint.com. We're also finding that our creators, of course, want distro to other streamers. And so we have our own sort of, you know, distro division, which you'll see more of that next year. But, you know, Film Hub, Quiver, very similar to those models because that's the future. Your average creator wants to be streaming on six streamers, not just one. So the days of being exclusive just to Netflix are starting to wane. You know, it's... Netflix just can't offer enough to, you know, give a creator no upside. Uh, So you have all sorts of options. Some creators are literally just using us for distro and you might never see the movie on our streamer, but Mm -hmm. we might be getting a 25% kickback from all their royalties when we place them on Tubi. So we've really just built out to be the most basic thing you could have if you want to go direct to fan and you can use us any which way you need to. That's amazing. And and give a little bit of the timeline. When did you start working on this and what's been done to date? And you said it's going live pretty soon. Give us a little bit of that timeline. Yeah, well, we uh, began work about a year and a half ago now, maybe a little, maybe a year and four months, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've been on fire. We actually launched our beta January 20th. Um, with, you know, eight projects. Um, we're up to about 22 projects now and more are being added day by day. And this is still in a closed beta with the doors like not open yet. Um, again, that's changing pretty soon. Uh, we have a great team. Um, so Dan Ratner, our CTO, came with me from Sitter City. He's marketplace okay. side, but also we have AJ Salmon who has done 20 years in entertainment, brings all the relationships with age, with um, Tubi and Pluto and Roku. And he's like a distro wizard. And then Mark Vedic is the final co-founder and he's an entertainment lawyer, like on staff, right? So best team ever. Uh, and we've raised 1.5 million. We're you know, in talks to, to start raising a seed round, very excited about it all. I would say this is going about as well as it could right now, given the chaos. Like, I feel like we're weirdly lucky. We keep dodging a bunch of bullets and growing really well. And was this, would you say easier in your second go around? I mean, it sounds like at least some of the people and supporters came from your prior successes or... Is it just as hard as starting Sitter City back when you did that? (laughs) I was dumb enough to believe that it would be easier. (laughs) I was like, oh, you know, opera's gotten hard again post-pandemic. No one's hiring. I'm just going to, this will be easy. Second time, oh my God. And we came (laughs) in right before, it was like four months before the Terra Luna, the deep Everything just woo. Um, Here's what I will say, which is (laughs) actually... I actually love slow and steady builds. I love growing things like gardens quietly (laughs) so you can have everything collapse quickly and fix it again, you know, when you bring it out in beta. Like, I love that. In fact, Sitter City for three years, right after the dot-com crash, for three years, we, we just grew. It was like, the most fun hobby ever, right? To <laughs> grow this thing and turn everybody into it. So when we, you know, Sitter City is a great example, actually, we had zero funding, right? When we <laughs> actually appeared on the horizon, you know, around 04 and started raising Angel and then see, right. people were like, where, where did you come from? It was like, right. It was already an established business with a real tech platform and real customers at that point. Markets, 1.1 yeah. million in revenue. Everyone was like, what did you, and that was before we were 3.2 right. million revenue run rate when we actually raised our first real funding. So it was right. like, where did you come from? But, you know, it was kind of funny because I realized very quickly 
you know, we were having the same boom bust cycle, new technology, right? So everyone games the crap out of it and then it collapses. And then <laughs> we, we start to build into, you know, steady state, the productivity plateau. I actually am having a blast because I have literally lived this before. We are <laughs> just in that three-year period where everyone runs around like chickens and we're just going to yeah. quietly focus, build, you know, and you got to cockroach along a little bit. No one's on salary, you know, except for well, we have three people that we are paying, you know, and like they're doing fine, but like the co the founders are not, you know, we're all just building and, but it's fun. It's nice. You know, we're going to conferences and not feeling like we have to pitch nonstop. We're, we're enjoying the build of the, the product. You know, I think if we hated all this, it would suck, but <laughs> we love it. We love this kind of thing. We've done it before and there's joy in the build. So we're happy. Uh, I do hope this isn't, longer than three years i think we're maybe in the ending year one of the three of the chaos but right. we're certainly not going anywhere we're just doing exactly what we did before and i think if anyone else is listening and they're working on something and they're getting feedback from the market like we are that it is absolutely what's needed just keep going right keep right. going quietly slowly every day take three steps take one step <laughs> shove something over the line right and you know and then and then you'll suddenly be there and everyone will be right. like, come speak at my global conference. And you'll be like, okay. You know? <laughs> Excellent <laughs> advice for sure. Well, look, our audience is a lot of startup founders who need to hear that. It's also a lot of VCs that are looking for things to invest in. We got a lot of connections in the media yeah. space, I think, that are listening. It sounds like there's a whole lot of different ways that people that are listening to this episode can interact with your company. Break, break it down. They can... They're, if they're creators and working on shows, they should get in touch with you, right? To start to talk about how they could be on your platform. You're a creator. Come on down. You're going to love everything you see. Our TVOD division is literally launching this week. We've got uh, ways you can sell or rent your content, but also you can put tickets on, you know, tomorrow. I mean, email me, right? We can put tickets on and you can sell them out to your fan base. And, and you know, they can be as simple as just watching the show and adding on a collectible NFT, but they can also be complex, like selling access to the writer's room to vote on the arc of an episode, right? You can do that today. Um, for creators as well, I would say we've given out over 150,000 in development grants as of wow. last year. More coming this year, of course. Very important. Uh, we have some wonderful case studies. Uh, Crash Punks um, raised uh, over 25000 uh, created an animated series uh, where their users were actually casting their NFTs. And the series was so fun. Like somebody paid 2700 for their, their NFT to be the villain. It was awesome, right? <laughs> and, you know, um, Fairy Tale Fallout on our site just raised um, for their season two, $6,000. It seems small, but this is really significant, right? You know, when every time every one of them takes a step into actually lowering that wall, it's very significant. So um, that's for creators. If you're an investor, write me. I would really <laughs> like to show you because- We'll I'm put your contact info out there. We'll get, People can connect right. with you and get in touch for sure. For the chaos, this is a quiet <laughs> corner. <laughs> people that know what they're doing, yep. come on over, we'll have a chat. And then, yeah, if you're a fan, please come to entertainment. Watch our streamer, follow any of the shows you like, buy a ticket. You can do it with a credit card. You can sign up with an email. You do not need a wallet. It's simple. So don't be afraid. We, we barely use the word Web3 anymore, honestly, <laughs> at all. Yeah, we're big fans of Web 2.5 around here. Mm -hmm. Use the technology on the back end, but you don't need to force feed it to the audience. They don't they don't need to see it in a day-to-day -day basis, and they can still interact with the products in the right way and mm -hmm. get all the benefits without having to 
mess around with a funky browser wallet or something they're not familiar with. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, nobody cared what cloud you've been using for whatever upload. I mean, I love that it's so interesting to people. And I do love the Web3 purists I know, and they're all brilliant people, but nobody cares. Like we have to move <laughs> past that and sure. actually just explain the, 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 you know, the point of what we're doing here is breaking the wall between fans and creators and allowing the most excited fandoms to actually be more of a part of creating and sustaining their favorite shows. Awesome. Well, look, I think we're going to wrap it up here. It feels like we've gotten uh, all the details out there on the amazing entertainment platform that you are building. And we'll have links in the show notes here for people on how to get in touch and uh, and see what's happening on the entertainment platform and how to get in touch with Genevieve. So Genevieve, thank you very much for spending the time with us today. And we look forward to uh, seeing what you build here and all the amazing shows and creations that are going to come out of entertainment. Thank you so much. And your vote of confidence, it means a lot right now. It's a crazy time, so I appreciate it. Now stay tuned for more episodes of Diverse Web 3 Builders. We look forward to bringing you the best diverse builders that are creating amazing startups in this space. Check back with us soon. Thank you very much.